In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Episode number 20, Most Wanted. So this week, our picks are all about crime. Yeah, they are. Getting into the criminal activities. Which we have on multiple occasions talked about our love and desire for crime. Yes. And you know this hits all my buttons. This is totally my jam. Yes. But the bonus of this theme is that it was listener suggested. Oh my God. I love when this happens. It was suggested by a listener named Andrea. I love Andrea. I do too. Yeah. I mean, we love all of our listeners, but the ones that bring us ideas and challenges, God. We can't get enough. No. No. God. So she's on the top of our most wanted list in a good way. Yes. We're going to send you a love letter with like cut out magazine letters. Ooh, you like, know, a like a ransom. ransom note. Like you're mm-hmm. maybe a little afraid you're about to be kidnapped. Yeah. You but be, it'll but... it'll say how much we love you. Yeah. So it'll be, be a little stalkery, but you'll be fine with it. Yeah. You'll yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thinking about crime... Always. Always. Erin, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever witnessed a crime? Okay, yes. Um, this doesn't surprise me, I, I gotta no, say. No. no. Just because you get so many weirdos coming at you at all times. Yeah. That, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and this was... Okay, I'm just gonna say up right up front, I didn't do anything about it. So, <laughs> let's just cut to the chase. Oh boy. Okay, so this was in college. It was during homecoming week of college, and the apartment that I lived in with some of my roommates um, faced a street. And across the street was parked like a small compact car, mm-hmm. like very like small, like, okay. um, you know, just like a Geo Metro. Yes, mm-hmm. perfect. It might have even been a Geo Metro. Probably. <laughs> they were kind of it was popular kind of around like the time. That, like yeah. electric blue yep. color. Okay. Mm-hmm. So homecoming week, we hear some weird noises and we go to my roommate's window who faces this car in the street and we proceed to watch a group of college men pick the car up and put it on its top. What? So the car is now upside down. <laughs> yeah. And obviously that's horrendous for the owner of that car. Yeah. Then they all left. So we were all like, I mean, we just saw that happen, but we have no actual knowledge of who it was. It, no. was, it was late. I mean, not late, late, but it was dark. I mean, you couldn't see specifics. I could tell you that there was a group of them. I couldn't even tell you how many specifically, mm-hmm. obviously enough to, to, you know, pick up a car. You were distracted by the actual picking of the car yeah. up and putting and it over. Yeah. Until the moment it happened, it's kind of like slow motion where you're like, no, that's not what they're oh, doing. Right. Oh, they're just rowdy. 
Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, they're, oh they're flipping oh, it. Okay. okay. Those windows are broken. Oh, like, seriously. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Pushed. Yeah. I mean, not terribly because Geometro isn't like super. Sure. But, but still. Damn it. Yeah. Right? And not drivable. For sure. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to. Gravity is not going to help you get that nope. back over. So a little while after that, while we're still kind of in the like, what do we do phase? Police sirens, they show up. They're all out there. They like dust the car. Like I assume to get fingerprints. So they have them on file down the road. The whole deal. So we watched this all unfold for hours. Like we were supposed to go out that night. Didn't. Stayed in. Watched. For college? Yeah. Situation. That's dramatic. Because we were all like, I mean, you know, yeah. detectives fingerprinting. Oh, we had never seen that. But never once did any of us go down there and say, hey, we witnessed that happen because we kept talking about it. And they were like, well, what do we say after we say we witnessed it? Like, A, we did absolutely nothing to stop mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. B, we have actual no knowledge. We have, we're not helpful on any level. How many? I don't know. What did they look like? No idea. When did it happen? 10 minutes before you got here. <laughs> I don't. I mean, what do we, what's the motive? No idea. I don't yeah. even know whose car this is. Yeah. Wow, that's a good crime that you witnessed and didn't do a damn thing didn't about. Didn't even try. Nope. You know, whatever. <laughs> so if you could be a crime boss, what would your family motto be? You know what? I would take inspiration from the 1984 classic Karate Kid, and I would use the Cobra Kai line, strike hard, strike fast, no mercy, sir. That's amazing. Yeah. That's one of the best mottos I've ever heard. I know, right? I didn't even have to make it up. I just took it because it's a line in my head that mm-hmm. I've memorized so much because I watched that yeah. movie a lot. Plus, there's the short when you say the Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. you could tattoo that. You wouldn't have to sure tattoo can. the whole phrase, Mm-mm. which might be a requirement sometimes in a crime syndicate sure. family. Yeah. But you could just, that'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Like, in I my, don't want my whole back to be the quote. I just need mm-hmm. this little line. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. I could just do it on the inside of my arm. See? Boom. I'm, a, I'm a good crime boss. Yeah. I'm not requiring a huge tattoo. No. Just a, you can get that a quick, on your neck. Yeah. Quick Done. movie quote. Yeah. You got it. Like I'm it. also going to require they wear the Cobra Kai uniforms. Is that bad? Um, no. Okay. No. Great. No. They're comfortable. That's I mean, what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. ultimately what I decided. Yeah. Okay. Also, I think it doubles there that it would not seem intimidating, and then boom, very intimidating. Oh, so intimidating. Like, oh, I thought this was like a joke. <laughs> this is not a joke. You're going to kill me in that outfit. Okay. That is making my this death is the horrifying. Cobra Kai coming for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. Oh. Okay, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Is there a famous crime that you're obsessed with? You know what? Yes. Ooh, because it actually traces back to where kind of my true crime thing started. I mean, I, I read a lot of Mary Higgins Clark when I was younger, that type of thing. I've always kind of liked the mystery. But true crime, I and this is embarrassing to admit, but I read a book by Mark Furman. Okay. Which, oh, yeah. I yeah. Know. Okay. Um, who was a detective that played a large part in the Martha Moxley murder i don't know if you're familiar with this but it took place um she is um the person that ended up going on trial for it is a cousin of the kennedy family so it took place very wealthy families greenwich um connecticut you know these are people that have enormous amounts of money so it was completely shocking it took place in this gated community she was killed on her front lawn horrific with a golf club it was an incredibly horrible crime um but there was a cousin of the Kennedys who lived next door who both the brothers were at different times suspects. He went to prison. He got out of prison. He got retried. I mean, it has been, a, it's still going on today. It's, it's a long-term legacy, but wow. I read that book by accident because I worked at B. B. Dalton, Dalton. And when you would have to take books off the shelf that weren't selling, you had to pull the covers off and just send the covers back to the publisher. Oh. And then the books you were supposed to destroy. But we had an awesome boss who said, you can take whatever books as long as you throw them away after you read them. So I took that one because it seemed interesting. I was like, oh, true crime. And uh, um, I didn't put two and two together. It's my own fault for Mark Furman, you know, the OJ. Yeah, whatever. That's all right. So I read it because he was a detective on it. And it was interesting. You know, it got me interested enough that I did more research about it. I've watched a lot of the documentaries about it. And so I think that kind of kicked me off into the true crime. Oh, my goodness. You know. From there, an obsession was born. Mm-hmm. I wow. won't say that it's a great book. Like, I wouldn't recommend okay. it well, to I'm, anyone. Well, I'm going to say from Mark Furman, probably not. But no. yeah. Right. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. actual story itself, if you can find a documentary, so it's really interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. So speaking of Mark Furman, who's a you know, not great police officer yeah, slash bad detective. Example. Bad yeah. example. Uh-huh. Would you 
like to be a police officer slash detective? I'll tell you what, my answer has probably changed over time because when I was younger, my dad was a police officer. Yes. And so we got to see a very limited version of what being a police officer was. And sure. at the time, he was working undercover in narcotics. Ooh. And they were, this was around, you know, late 80s, uh, uh, that era, lots of drugs, gangs, all that kind of stuff. But he got to, every once in a while, bring home a possessed car. Um, a confiscated car. So we would sit in our driveway in a Porsche or in a, you know, fancy something or other that I can't remember the name of right now. We have pictures of us. This was glorious because we could, you know, sit in a car taken from criminals. We also saw dad on TV every once in a while and they had to bleep him out because, you know, doing raids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it seemed unbelievably cool and badass. He was time. like a a celebrity and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was only as we got older and he started telling us actual stories from that time and we realized, oh dear God, this is terrifying. Yeah. Then we realized, oh yeah, that's that's a really dark time. Thanks for not sharing that with us. Yeah. I yeah. Appreciate it. Very heavy for him. Instead, I'm sure, but... yeah. Instead, we would hear stories about the you know guy at, uh, that was high on some drug and went down on his knees and bit dad on the ankle and oh, bit so hard. Oh, yeah. No, bit so oh. hard, dad had to beat him off and then get a tetanus shot. Glorious. <laughs> what I was thinking immediately was that's my first leave because I'm just shooting the guy. You bit me. I shot you. Like no, there's no range in there there's for no me. Range, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. even think to kick at that mm, point. Mm. Like. A tetanus shock is someone bit you. Yeah. So those are the stories he shared with us That's as kids because they're funny. They're like you know they're oh my god dad got bit. Did he yeah. always wear combat boots after that? Because I would, I'd be like <laughs> my ankles must always be covered. Well, let's also remember fashion of the 1980s. So no, he yeah. did not. Mm. He wore a lot of jeans. He had a righteous mustache. I'm telling you right now. Good for you. Yeah. And then when he was undercover, he was able to grow out some hair, look a little scruffy. Oh. He was looking scruffy. 1980s scruffy. tell me that at one time he drove the Porsche <laughs> sockless with a great pair of loafers. Yeah. I'm have yes. to ima- I have to imagine he did. Good. Yeah. Good. That's what I wanted Fully to Fully live out of Miami Vice dream. I hope so. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> I love that whole story except for the biting. I'm horrified by that and I feel terrible. And I can understand. I would have to get a tetanus shot every six months after that. Oh, just to be God. like, no, no, it's been 10 yeah. years. I'm sure of it. Do it yeah. again. Just give it's it to me again. Who knows that guy's teeth have been? Yeah. yeah. I mean, For if sure. you think, if you're at the point as a human that this seems like a good idea, mm-hmm. then. You're going to bend down and bite some, you know, bite some cop leg. Not a great life move. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> no. No. You know, so getting into our fiction picks. Yeah. Actually, a very interesting connection here. Ooh. Because my pick is called Fruit of the Drunken Tree by Ingrid Rojas Contreras oh. from 2018. Okay. This is a coming-of-age story, but it's set in Bogota, Colombia in the Ooh. late early er, Jesus. Late early <laughs> The late eighties. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to translate and say it was the late eighties, early nineties. Okay, when Pablo Pablo Escobar Escobar was reigning with terror. We know you love some Pablo Escobar. I do. That's another thing I'm obsessed with is Pablo Escobar. Yes, yes. But it also directly relates to the time when you know drugs were just streaming into the U.S. Mm -hmm. and you know all of that. But his presence in uh, Colombia at this time, has created a power struggle, right, between the government, paramilitary groups, guerrilla movements. So the main character, Chula, she's seven. She's living with her parents and her older sister in a gated community. And she is fascinated by Escobar because he's always on the news. They're covering every bombing, every grotesque thing happening as he's seeking to get control of Mm -hmm. the country and the cartel. So we see what's going on in this crazy story through this child's eyes, which is a really interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. And we, the readers, are seeing normal everyday life during this very epic time of violence and crime. Meanwhile, the family hires a maid, a 13-year-old named Petrona, and she lives in a shanty town, and she's the main breadwinner for her family at age 13. Chula is also fascinated with Petrona. Because, you know, she's she's never seen anyone from these shanty towns. She also starts seeing some things she doesn't understand. Patrona's younger brother is being recruited by a guerrilla group. Mm. And she herself is being trapped by her boyfriend, who may be in one of these groups, and forcing her to make some really terrible decisions. So things get more and more tense. Chula's family has to flee, first to a remote village, then eventually to the U.S. 
theme-wise, crime has, has infested the country, right, that Chula's growing up in. But what's cool, like I said, is we're seeing that crime through a young person's perspective. Like she's watching news footage, news footage of a bombing and she's fixating on a young child's leg and she's comparing that leg to her own mm. and she's saying, oh my God, this is affecting even people like me kind mm. of thing. Interesting. Um, and in many ways, this is based on a true story. The author, Ingrid Rojas Contreras, she grew up in Colombia during this time and her family had a house girl like Patrona and she knew many girls like Patrona throughout their world, and they eventually had to flee to the United States. I read a really interesting uh, interview with the author where she talks about crime being part of life. She says, Pablo Escobar was a phenomenon like the weather, something that affected what you could and couldn't do, where you could and couldn't go, and sometimes it devastated us. We all lived with constant war and violence, but those circumstances became normalized. They seeped into everyday aspects of our lives. That, to me, was the the real power of this book, yeah. is that, you know, yes, we're seeing this very famous criminal, but we're also seeing how it uh, affects everyday people, everyday yes. life. Very good read. Mm, that sounds amazing. Pablo Escobar. I know, Pablo. You had me at Pablo. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have to get to Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> you knew where I was going. I did. We were talking about, you know. Pants with no socks and oh, loafers. Yeah, you yeah, knew where yeah, it was going. Where it was going. Mm -hmm. Right to Pablo Escobar. Mm -hmm. Real weird dude. Yeah. A lot of issues. Yeah. So many issues. I thought a lot when I was thinking about preparing the notes for this episode of when you were talking about Narcos Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about the first season of Narcos, first and second with Pablo Escobar. And Ooh, fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, my fiction pick this week is called Our Kind of Cruelty by Armanita Hall. Ooh. Yes. So this was published in May of 2018. Mm -hmm. And confession, it was given to me as a gift from Amy. Mm -hmm. and sure it was. It was an amazing gift because it's a great book. So happy birthday to you and happy birthday to all the broads and books listeners. Everyone. Everyone. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, it was, it's set in London, as I said. Um, Mike Hayes is the main character, so he's fought his way out of a very, very difficult childhood and molded himself into this perfect person, at least according to his girlfriend, uh, Verita, Ver, Verite, sorry, Metcalf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he, she has kind of helped him decide what career he should have, how he should act, how he should dress. She's got him on this exercise routine. Like he has done everything in his life to please her and make sure that he's the perfect ideal of what she wants. This sounds like it's going somewhere bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he knows that they're going to be together forever. So this is all fine. That's what's, you know, about. he's going to do all that because that's a sacrifice. It doesn't matter that they broke up or that she's not returning his phone calls oh. or that she's marrying someone else. Oh. This is all fine. It's just part of a game that they play with oh, each other. Oh, dear. So this is a crime fiction. Obviously, there's a crime. There's elements of crime, multitudes of crime. Um, but it's got also some trial in it, so some of the loss. So to me, this is what makes a great crime fiction book you've got crime you're inside the criminal's head because this is all told from mike's perspective um you have doubt because you're in mike's head so there are things that he does and his perspective that you think well that's really messed up that someone made you do that and you start to feel for him even though things are happening that you're like whoa 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 not okay oh boy um you start to think the way he does a little bit because you're so immersed in that um some of the trial or the way that the courts view um, the crimes that you read about kind of throw you off because you think, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that is a crime, you know. So it's got that in it. It's got victimization where you think, you know, does what happened to us in certain parts of our lives, i.e. childhood, give us a pass for things that we do later? Mm -hmm. Or how do we rectify those two things? Yeah. How do we say, okay, well, that affected this person this way, you know, how do we make allowances for that? Um, and then just an urgency throughout the book to find out the ending. I, to me, if you like you or hidden bodies, I was just going to ask you that because it seems like there's an unreliable narrator at play mm -hmm. or, or someone trying to maybe change your opinion about things. Yes. And wow. honestly, it's so throughout the book, I caught myself so many times. Now, I will say like with the main character of Joe and you and hidden bodies, I mean, you know the whole time how messed up it is, mm -hmm. right? But there are times in this book with Mike that you're not sure. Ooh. He's creating enough doubt that you're like, I don't. 
I don't know if he if this is really his fault or if what he's doing is really wow. wrong. Is it? I don't know. I can't tell. I can't tell where she's coming from because I'm only hearing his version. So towards the end of the book in the trial, you get to hear this ex-girlfriend's version and his version of the truth, which is interesting. And then it was in that part when you get sort of this kind of like factual feel where it's how the court's taking it and how the news media is taking it that you kind of take a step back and go, wow, I really got wrapped up in this guy's perspective. Fascinating. Amazingly well done by this author. I'm still kind of struck by the ending. I'm struck by how easily I kind of fell into the trap of buying everything that one person says and dismissing someone else. Um, How far your sympathy and empathy can get you and how much, we're kind of trained to think a certain way, particularly mm-hmm. about females. So it was easy to fall into that, even as a female myself, about particular things about his ex-girlfriend. So fantastic read. Wow. Loved it. Yeah. So interesting. I really like the idea, too, of of a sort of unreliable narrator. We're mm. not quite a, kind mm-hmm. of sure what's happening in a, a crime-centered book. Yes. Because then you just don't know what to believe. No. And there's so much more I want to say. I don't want to because there's, sure. there's a lot of twists that you'd want to have revealed. But it's also – it feels like a real story. Like it doesn't feel like something inaccessible. It's not a crime where, you know, you're like, well, that wouldn't happen because of this, this, and this. Or it wouldn't play out like that. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a very – you could see this happening on so many levels and the crime isn't so fantastic that you're caught going, you know, Oh, well, okay. You know, this is fantasy fantasy right off the top. No, Uh it's very, very realistic. It's something that could happen. You know, there's conversations at the end he's having with his lawyer and you're going, yeah, yeah, you need to do that because that's how (laughs) you need to get through. So yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Well, yeah. two things. One, I want to borrow this. Yes. And absolutely. two, I am taking this as a win on my end. Uh, you I'll should. be honest. Yeah. You should. Yeah. Feeling Fantastic. pretty good about myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Okay, it's good. amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And I know the very first thing we'll talk about it after you read. Oh. It. There's like one thing right away that I know that we'll talk about. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be a, a test of our ride or die, I think. Oh, I, yeah, there's no uh, test. There's no test. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to so happen. It's so straightforward. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. In fact, I can envision the message I'm going to get from you <laughs> pretty much immediately. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Can't so, wait. In the meantime, you should all read along yes! with us. Oh. And post your reactions. Yes. To us. Post. We want to hear it. On yeah. whether I agree or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron will not hold back. Nope. That seems to be something you probably all should know by now. Yeah. If you don't, I'm not sure what you've been listening to, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a good job snowballing you. I'm like the unreliable narrator then. (laughs) You're not saying the whole truth. Not saying the whole truth. (laughs) Speaking of whole truth. Oh, do you Mm. like how I did that? Great transition. Yes. So my other genre pick this week Mm -hmm. is called Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. This is a pretty new pick. This, I think, came out in March of this year, 2019. Um, I'm not sure how it got on my radar, but I immediately wanted to read about it. I I just kind of love stories about Ireland and and, Mm -hmm. and this particular time. The author is Patrick Raiden Keefe. And we start in 1972 in Belfast. Jean McConville is 38, and she has 10 kids under the age of 16. Her husband has recently died, and she's in one of the most notorious housing projects in the city called A Slum in the Sky by a lot of people in the city. Wow. This is the city, by the way, that's been gripped for years by what came to be known later as the Troubles, this very epic time of violence and civil war. But one night... A group of masked men and women come into Jean's house and take her away in front of the kids. The kids never see her again. They get carted off to orphanages, youth homes. They fall prey to the Catholic Church. So we've got this case of horrific disappearance and a family ruined that eventually we understand is an unsolved murder with very far-reaching implications. But at the same time, the author is interspersing the story of Dolores and Marianne Price, young sisters who were brought up in a family of Irish Republican Army soldiers. And around this time, the sisters are becoming really firmly enmeshed in this new subgroup of the IRA that believe violence is the way to freedom. 
Um, just very brief background. At this time, Northern Ireland is part of the British Empire. But worse, there are these very unfair laws disenfranchising Catholics from key job positions, from state benefits, that kind of thing. So when the IRA says they're fighting for freedom, they're fighting against Great Britain, but they're also fighting against each other, like a lot of Protestants in the country. From there, the story gets bigger. We start understanding what's happening in Belfast and Northern Ireland in this time where the streets are being patrolled by paramilitary gangs and there's nightly shootouts and people are just disappearing on the regular. We meet some people you may have heard of from the news like Jerry Adams, Bobby Sands, Brendan Hughes. And we also learn about there's this project that starts in the 2000s where Boston College starts interviewing these former IRA members and getting a lot of stories and confessions on tape and saying they're going to keep these records safe. But then the police finds out about it and all hell sort of breaks loose. Theme wise, we've got a mysterious disappearance and a murder. Mm -hmm. We've got a lawless society that's tearing lives apart. We've got female freedom fighters. Yes. Yes. Uh, who become sort of these femme fatale legends mm-hmm. kind of things. We've got conspiracy. And in fact, there's been some fallout from this book because of who he eventually claims is responsible for this murder. Um, so this book really has everything. And it reads fast. Like, it reads like a novel. It's very narrative. Um, the way that he brings in both this one story of this very specific woman and this unsolved thing with this whole big, you know, history uh, background of Belfast and Northern Ireland is absolutely remarkable how he does that. And in fact, you don't have to know anything about Ireland or the Troubles to come in here. Um, he He lays it out very clearly. You start understanding what's happening very clearly. Um, he also, what I really enjoy is he starts talking about how this history of crime and violence affects today. In fact, you know, all these people that started believing that violence is the way to solving Ireland's problems. Well, in the 2000s, they brokered a peace treaty and really no side was happy. We didn't get freedom from Great Britain. We Mm -hmm. didn't get all these things. So now these former people that are still alive, these IRA fighters are like, well, what were we fighting for? Why did we... Why did we do all these things? Why did we do these bombings? Why did we do these killings? Like, how am I supposed to reconcile some of the things that I did if we didn't get what we wanted to? And in fact, some of our leaders kind of sold us out. Fascinating read. Interesting. Like I said, kind of timely. And yeah, there's some interesting fallout that came from this. Wow, that sounds amazing. I've not heard of it at all. Um, Yeah, there was a long list at the library. Oh, I got in there. Yeah, look at you. Yes. Don't you love that? Isn't I that do. exciting when you research oh, something and then you get that yes. notification that it's, it's in? The best. You're like, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm coming for you. And they say you have like a week to get it. And I'm like, that's silly. I'm going right now. Yeah. Yeah. A week? Are you kidding yeah. me? That's rude. That's you also have a disrespectful. You have 24 yeah. hours. Get here now. Because there's other people on the hold list. Yes. You don't want to, you know, back yeah. them up too. No, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. 100%. So what do you got, Erin? Well, my nonfiction pick is called. American Kingpin, the Ooh. epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road Ooh. by Nick Bilton. Mm-hmm. So this was published in 2017. Um, I love this book because it really traces the origin of the foundation of what crimes become and where it's going in our digital age Ooh. with technology. Um, the Silk Road, if you don't know, is basically like the Amazon of the dark web for drugs, Um Fake passports, turns out guns. I mean, pretty much anything that you can't sell like yourself, you know, out in the open uh, is on the Silk Road. It follows the story of uh, Ross Ulbricht, who was by all accounts destined for greatness. Great family, very smart, went to college, found a fantastic girlfriend, you know, headed off in this great direction. He's just also very strongly believes in kind of the new wave of libertarianism that believes that there shouldn't be government control and things that don't affect them. So the idea with drugs is it's my body. I can decide what affects me. And if it's not having an effect on anybody else, what does it matter? I should be free to do what I want to do with my own situation. Mm, mm -hmm. So that's kind of where he comes up with this idea. And originally it really started out just for drugs. So it was kind of like this black market, like the Craigslist and the dark web for, Hey, I got this. I can sell you this. And they started doing it through the mail. Okay. So you, they would get like a random envelope that had drugs in it, just delivered to them, just like a letter. Okay. Oh, handy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So great. Um, he did not 
I don't think in his early years think that this was going to turn into a $1.2 billion empire. Oh, my God. And it was only because uh, whiffs of it got back to the FBI, um, the ATF, you know, groups like that through social media or hearing these whispers of this thing called the Silk Road, which is where drugs were coming from. And it was due to one very dogged male inspector who happened to notice some of these packages and took it upon himself to really hound the FBI, which I didn't know much about the male inspection process. So that part was very interesting to learn that a lot of FBI agents start out there. And then that's oh. kind of like a ground level thing of, you know, they, uh, cause they're looking for things like that. And so he kind of used this as a way to get himself up. I mean, he kept after it. He kept gathering evidence. He got placed on wow. the case down the road. Yeah. Very interesting. So this whole case it, they, when they get a whiff of it, it ends up being like a two year investigation to find this guy because, of course, like I mentioned, he's very intelligent. Um, he created this so that you couldn't figure out who was who or get a hold of people. You know, he calls himself the Dread Pirate Roberts online. <laughs> so they had no idea who he actually was. A lot of people that worked for him had no idea who he actually was. He kept this very, his girlfriend had no idea that this is what he was doing, oh that this is how he's making money. He moved all the time. But obviously with a $1.2 billion, not legitimate empire, you start to have issues. You know, the, um, how does he launder the money? How does he have that kind of money? How does he make it legitimate? Um, all those things, but are, are relevant in our time. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about Bitcoin and how he used that to his advantage and how he was able to stay hidden in different countries and all those things. So what I love about this book is that it shows you both sides so brilliantly. You're following Ross and you're kind of rooting for him because that's how the author writes it in a way, you know, you're rooting for this idea that he had, you know, this grassroots, and then you remind yourself what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But then you're also rooting for... Um, the FBI agents and the people that are really staking their career on this and they're putting everything and they're working this case day and night and they're trying to figure it out and that believe in the justice system and believe in the importance and especially because of where the Silk Road went. I mean, as anything like this, pretty soon we have terrorists on there selling horrific weapons. Mm -hmm. We have people selling people because sex they're sex trafficking. Yeah. So there was a lot of decisions that Ross had to make too, which was very interesting to see how his beliefs kind of came out Wow! to say, okay, do I think that's right? Okay. I, I'm okay with this, but am I okay with this? So a lot of back and forth in that way. That was very interesting. It's, I think at the heart of it, there's a lot of crime, but there's also a lot of politics involved in it. You're really getting this idea. There's a lot of people that stand with Ross and say that believe in kind of that anonymous decentralized web that say that should be our right. That's how we prevent government from controlling us as a people. And a lot of people on the other side who say, no, there's a need for government. There's a need for law. There's a need for control because he couldn't control this. He claims it was just a thing for drugs and people should be able to do that. But look how far mm -hmm. it spurred out. So very interesting on both sides. It's an interesting case to kind of research after the fact, although you won't have to do much. The author did an amazing job. He takes everything from interviews and transcripts they found of emails and conversations that Ross actually had. You know, we all know that there's a digital footprint that you can't always erase. And so some of that they were able to recover when they did their work so they can actually see what he said to people. And so that makes it read very much like a novel because he writes it in a very narrative way. Mm -hmm. He includes those conversations. So you feel like you're right there. You have a really good sense of who you think Ross is or, you know, you have a good sense of his family having no idea that any of this is going on. Can you so. imagine being the girlfriend? No, no, <laughs> it's crazy. And there's actually like groups that are trying to get him freed. I mean, he's in prison now and there are groups that are like, he, what he did wasn't illegal. Like he should be freed. He just created the marketplace. Wow. And I can see, you know, like you said, I imagine that there is a lot of political discussion and even an ethical discussion mm -hmm. because I can understand, yeah, maybe the drug aspect. But once it starts getting into sex trafficking and and, you know, mm -hmm. weapons of other sorts that yeah. that's a little beyond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see his transformation as a person from where Whoa. he started with this idea of just like the libertarian free drug, you know, idea to where he ended up. Because protecting a $1.2 billion empire, I mean, we've joked, but decisions. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to make some decisions and gotta get cutthroat. some were not too nice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a great read. I really, Are really Are you prepared to make those decisions as a leader of your I, crime syndicate? I think you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, follow the Cobra Kai philosophy. No mercy, sir. No, no. Right. No. Yeah. I think you have to be. I think yeah. if you're going into that life, you're not going to be successful if you're going to start doubting yourself. Hmm. Look at Pablo Escobar. Sure. Illusions of grandeur all the time. <laughs> not only am I going to just ruin Colombia, but then I'm also just going to be like, hey, I'm going to run for office. Sure. And you're all going to pretend that that's normal. It kind of makes sense. I mean, both politicians and super criminals have a real ego. Yeah. So you, you know. have to, to just power forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a real belief in yourself, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So work on that. I mean, yeah. I do need to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a level of ballsiness there that I'm going to have to work up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I like if I'm Pablo Escobar and I'm walking in, you know, that moment when he's going into parliament that day acting like he has a position and they're just all like, oh, no, you showed up. Seriously? Really? And there's kind of just that standoff where they don't know what to do because they're like, (laughs) oh, we didn't think you were going to come. And he's like, why wouldn't I come? I don't I like I would go in there and be like. Oh, oh, sh- should I go? What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd be like, okay. Keep the car running. Yeah. They're not going to let me stay. So just so you know, we'll go to Starbucks, but keep the car running. <laughs> You're just going to go in and check just, just to see. Hey, I got this job. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> it was a big joke. Sorry. Bye. Who's the guy that ran against me? He can have it. Oh, I killed him. Shit. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to his family. I'm done. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, some, some steps we got to take some, Mm -hmm. some mantras to say to yourself, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just think about like, you know, how Lizzo is so self-positive and affirming. I mean, I don't think that she's maybe going to be affirming if you're starting a crime syndicate, but. Okay. But let me say (laughs) this. As I'm thinking through this Pablo Escobar walking into parliament thing, yeah. the flip side of that is there was part of his delusion that was built on the fact that all of these people supported him they behind him. behind closed doors. Yeah. A lot of them were making deals and being hypocrites. Yes. I mean, they were helping him do some of the crimes. So in his mind, he's walking in thinking, hey, it's friends. Mm-hmm. And then you find out like, no, 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 we want to pretend that we're not friends with you, although we want to help you or, yeah, we know we're on the ropes with you. Mm-hmm. So and there's even, some hypocrisy he was trying to call out a little for bit. Sure. And even it, it, kind of seriously, like thinking about Pablo Escobar and how much popular support he had among some of the poorer people, especially. Yeah. And even in a lot of our books, like in, in my book, um, you know, people supported the IRA and some yeah. of their violence, even mm-hmm. when it affected uh, just walking to the store or, you know, affected their daily lives. But that is a fascinating aspect. And I imagine in, in this book as well, you know, yes. how people will support crime. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of sticking it to the man. Yes. There is definitely that kind of underlying theme in a lot mm-hmm. of this of like, and, and this underlying theme of how far do you let government go? You know, is there a moment where they're controlling everything as yeah. opposed to staying on the side of the law? And so there's a lot of debate about that in certain aspects that'll kind of make you think, but mm-hmm. yeah, ultimately just really interesting to understand that whole part and, yeah. you know, that kind of whole underworld Mm-hmm. thing so well, i'll tell you what my pop culture pick there's really no supporting this person oh, i'm gonna tell okay. you that all right, right now all right, yeah all right, all right. so my pick is a podcast Ooh. it's called believed it's an npr okay. podcast and this is the story of the uh olympic gymnast doctor larry nassar <sighs> but it's the story of the young women and how it, it starts with the young women gymnasts who are accusing Dr. Larry Nassar of rape and molestation and mm-hmm. sexual abuse. Um, and over time, it becomes this uh, incredible landmark case mm-hmm. that you've probably heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, this was big news, I believe, last year when the yeah. verdict came down. Um And at that sentencing, uh, it made even bigger news because the judge at the time allowed – um, hundreds of these young women to come to court and tell their story and talk to Larry Nassar directly and really, really ream into him for a lot of, uh, for a lot of it. So uh, overall, the podcast, I, uh, it's a, just a few episodes. It's just one season, but it goes really in depth by following the case and the key women, um, who started, uh, complaining, who started, you know, um, filing suits, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, it follows the key detectives that get involved in the case. It follows the lawyers. Once we get involved, we hear actual footage, uh, audio footage of Larry Nassar being interviewed by the detectives before he's caught. We get really in depth into how he was able 
to hide this from parents, from, uh, you know, other coaches, from the university he was affiliated with. It's a far, far reaching story that is remarkable and scary in yeah. its scope. Um, also, it, it talks about, you know, bringing the case to trial, what it takes for these young women to bring their stories forward. But then it also follows the aftermath, um, not only after he goes to jail for forever and ever, thankfully, mm-hmm. um, but also what happens to these girls now that they've come forward and told their stories. Right. In a lot of ways, they've become, um, you know, for other sexual abuse survivors, they have become lightning rods of oh my God, they understand me, you know? So they will go and and on these speeches and on these tours and victims of sexual assault will come talk to them. And it's exhausting. It's, it's horrifying, Mm -hmm. but it's also um, fulfilling to serve that role to many women. Uh, So it explores how crime affects lives long past the moment of the crime for years and years and years. Um, And like I said, it, it talks about how the parents missed it. Um, the guilt that the parents feel because of this um, and how the girls have grown over time with this experience. Um, many of them have grown stronger because of it and been able to, uh, you know, have their day in court. Some of them did not get that chance because of this horrific abuse. Understandably, this is it's tough to listen to because it is about sexual abuse on a scale of which is really hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And scale. But Like I said, the way the podcast is produced, the way it brings together all these disparate stories is really affecting, very, very powerful. And also kind of nice that we get to, you know, we know that there is as happy an ending as possible from this case in that, you know, this allowed a lot of women to tell their stories that they weren't able to for a long time. Yeah. Wow. I haven't heard of that. That Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can get past, you know. The toughness yeah. of the subject matter. Yeah. Very, very good. Which is true a lot of times with the crime. Absolutely. Yeah, you kind of yeah. live in it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my pop culture pick relates to both Ryan Murphy and Mark Furman. Oh. Ryan Murphy, we mentioned in last episode. Yes. Mark Furman at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to recommend that you watch The People versus O.J. Simpson, An American Crime Story, which is a 10-episode docuseries that aired in 2016, but you can... Uh, stream on Netflix mm-hmm. now. It is it was, incredible. I saw it too. You did? Okay, yeah. good. Mm-hmm. It was created by Ryan Murphy, which kind of blows your mind. Yeah. Glee, American Horror Story, Pose, you know, all those things. Um, I know what you're thinking. Blah, boring. Already know everything this about I this. At first. Yeah. I know everything I need to know about O.J. Mm-hmm. Simpson. You don't. Mm-mm. You don't. This series focuses on both sides of the law. So it follows the lawyers on his side that are defending him, and it also follows the prosecutors on the other side. And a lot of what they were dealing with behind closed doors, not the media. They'll show you little clips of what was happening, but it really deals with how they came to their decisions, how the evidence came in, those types of things. It also kind of ties into our episode 19 about female bosses. Yes. Because it talks a lot about uh, Marsha Clark's rise and a lot of things that happened in that trial directly actually because she was a female in a position of power, which I had no idea about in terms of O.J. Simpson. I mean, there's so much crazy about that case that that lead kind of gets buried, I feel like. Amazing cast. You got Sarah Paulson, Courtney B. Vance, Sterling K. Brown, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Travolta. That's just like scratching the surface. So many amazing. And it's so well done. The acting's incredible. The directing's incredible. It's eye-opening. It's jaw-dropping. It's interesting. It's fast-paced. Um, legal issues, social issues, feminist issues, they're all in there. You see this from a whole different way. Mm-hmm. I-, I have never thought about it the same after I watched that whole docuseries. It's so interesting. And if you like crime and you're – and you're not that interested in law. It doesn't matter. It's it's going to sweep you up. And if you are interested in law, then this is an absolute because it's so well done. You're going to love it. I'm actually jealous that you're getting to watch all 10 episodes at once because I watched it when it aired <laughs> oh, like on you? network oh, TV. Gosh. So I was like waiting between episodes yeah. and being able to binge it. Ugh. I, I think it was better being able to binge I'm it. Sure. That's where I watched it. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise, I mean, there's just so much packed in each episode that, yeah, you wouldn't remember it it's from week to week. It's just amazing. Yeah. The emotion and there's so much I had no idea about. And it's so, it was so fascinating to follow that back and, and understand, put in context some of the stuff you saw on the news and find out really what was going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It was 
amazing. And I don't know about you. I mean, because we were teenagers then when this yes. happened. And of course, I was aware of it. And mm-hmm. we all were. It was omnipresent. If you weren't alive during that time, you have no idea how big a deal this was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we were seeing such a limited view of what was going on. So this was absolutely fascinating. Well, and I don't know about you, but I have specific memory. This was one of the first things, you know, that was really... Crime TV wasn't as yes, big as it is now. You know, you didn't it. have Oxygen and ID Discover. You didn't have channels dedicated to crime. And his trial was on mainstream news every day. I mean, they cut they, into programming. Yes, yes they watched it. They, you know, broadcast it on live TV on mainstream. I mean, it was that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just heard last week that the white Bronco that he was driving in the getaway is like in a museum now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's such an it iconic part yeah. of you know, yep. culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I loved this as well. And I felt like it, it humanized all of the characters, good and bad. Yes, you know? like absolutely. You, and you kind of left feeling like you understood it much more, but you just were kind of grossed out by everything. Yeah. By humanity and yeah. the legal system and everything. And you can understand why so many of the key legal people in it, that this case has haunted them forever yeah. because there were so many defining moments in them personally, career-wise, for the legal system, for what was going on in society at that time, for what was going on in LA at that time. Yes. There's just so many aspects that the news coverage that really just focused on OJ Simpson was not even even going beyond the surface Mm -hmm. of what this case was really about. Mm -hmm. So I think for anybody interested in crime, in documentary... Oh, so good. I don't know about you, too. There was a David Schwimmer was in this. Yes. And he played Papa Kardashian. Yeah, he did. Which was very fascinating because, honestly, I never understood why these people were famous. Oh, too, yeah. To yeah, start yeah. With. But, like, his role as OJ's friend is heartrending. Like, th- what he goes through during the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Wonderful mm-hmm. part there. Which is interesting because that's a question that uh, um, I can't think of her name. The mom. Oh, Yeah. Jenner. Mama, Mama, Mama Kardashian. Yeah, yeah Mama Kardashian. That was yeah, married to Bruce Jenner. Jenner. Yeah, Chris yeah, Jenner, yeah. yeah. That she gets uh, asked a lot still is like, what did you think about yeah. this? What did your husband think about it? And she's famously been very close-mouthed about that. And watching this will get you sort of understand why. Yes, it did. It yeah. will. It, it really, you can, if there's ever a moment that I felt bad for her, I will say that it gives you an element of sympathy where you can understand why her only option is just to say, I don't want to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. I left feeling sympathetic for the Kardashians, which I never thought I would feel. No. It it went away very no, quickly. No, no quickly. It's yeah, like 30 yeah. seconds of, yes. wow, that's rough. And then yep. you're like, Meow. And then you're like, well, but all what you did with that was weird. Yeah, yeah real weird, gross. Weird, how you're pimping weird, your kids out. Weird, very weird, nasty. Weird, yeah. weird, nasty. Weird, <laughs> weird, 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 weird. Great pick. I loved that one as well. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, I know. I was like, oh, I'm going to say it. And people are going to be like, what? OJ Simpson. No, I was, it. I was having the same reaction where some of my friends were recommending to watch it, mm-hmm. Keith in particular. And I was like, I don't, well, I trust him. But OK. And then I started watching it. And I was like, I get it. It's so yes. good. So good. Yeah. And the fact that you have such great actors and they're acting, but it's also factual. It's just, oh, my gosh. Oh, my buttons. Just mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. So good. Whew. I don't know about you. I mean, we picked some doozies. We did for talk about some crime this crime up episode. in here. Yeah, these are most wanted for sure, <laughs> and not just America's most wanted. All over the world, we did. We had some international Global representation. Most wanted. Yes, international most wanted. <laughs> Interpol, FBI, get ready, everyone. Most wanted. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should make wanted posters for broads and books. Oh, we should. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we'll be back next Wednesday. But in the meantime, you should head to our website, Broads and Books, to check out all the recommendations we made in this episode. Also, at our website Mm -hmm. and on your favorite podcast player is bonus material. As we've mentioned multiple times, we have a new one out. It's all about road trips because we're in summer and road trips are everywhere. Everywhere. You need this to survive. We give you rules for the road as well as a playlist to listen to. Because mm-hmm. that's how generous we are. So generous. Yeah. And after you read these great picks and watch these great picks and listen to this awesome bonus mm-hmm. material, you're like, what do I do with this energy? All this happiness and love I have. You write a review. That's yeah, what you, you do. do. You uh-huh. spread that love. Mm-hmm. You spread that joy. You make a rainbow connection, <laughs> just like Kermit would. 
give us a five-star review wherever that's convenient for you yeah i mean we we really write them for you yeah yeah you want to spray paint it on your house we're down god yeah otherwise podcast catchers can do it right there a little easier than spray painting on your house but probably a little less dramatic true yeah but if you do that i mean take a picture send it to us we'll give you something for it i mean i would say we'd come and take a picture with it but if you spray paint your house we're probably gonna have to vet you first true so yeah fair warning (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of putting their crazy out there so i do like that usually when you put it right out but Yeah. And we're benefiting from it. Yeah. So you're right. Murder castle. Yep. You know what? <laughs> Red flags be damned. I'm coming. I'm coming. You, you you did it. Yep. Another way you can show your love to us is give us a theme idea. Mm-hmm. We have now, this is our third listener suggested theme idea. Third. Thank you, Andrea. This was a wonderful one. We had a lot of fun with it. We did. We can't wait to do more of these. So if you have a full idea, like Andrea did, mm-hmm. or you have even just a you know a germ of an idea, send it our way. A germ of an a idea. A germ of an that. idea. And you can send those to us if you don't want to do your garage by Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website, which has email, way to get hold of us. Mm-hmm. So many ways. Or pictures of your spray-painted garage. Yeah. That works too. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.